So welcome to Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. And I've had uh, two glorious weeks off visiting both sets of grandchildren, uh, and I come back rejuvenated, although the three days of 95 degree in the classroom uh, school that started off our school, 95 degrees, Joe. In the, um, in the classroom. Portland, Portland heat. <laughs> well, it doesn't, you know, it's like we got three little windows. They face a sunny thing, so I can barely open them. I got one fan I bring from home. Oh, God. You know, and... It's it's something. It's actually it's been not too bad here the last week or two. It's finally cooled back down to, to reasonable. But haven't you, know, you low had 80s. two weird weather events out there in Portland, two three-day heat waves? Yeah, and one of them was right after I got back. And I mean it was a hundred degrees for a week after I got back. And it's it's not typical for for here in the summer, but the right. bigger problem out here right now is the wildfire smoke. And it's actually not it's not too bad in Portland in the city, but I was telling Matt before he came on, I, I went over to Bend the other day, which is on the other side of Mount Hood, and as soon as I got over the mountain, all that, the smoke from the California fires was in the air. So that, And if you look at the air quality numbers in in California, in and around Sacramento and Redding and those parts of Northern California, it is like two to three times the levels that they declare unhealthy. Like these are unprecedented air quality numbers that, that we're seeing in California. So it's just like, we've talked about this quite a bit that every year it seems to get worse and worse. And this is certainly following along in that pattern. Yeah. Global weirding. Um, <laughs> my sister-in-law uh, moved to Reading recently. Oh, wow. And also moved out real quick. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and I think they may have moved. I'm not sure the reasons they all moved, but they moved to Nashville, their okay. whole family. It's, it's um, too bad because Reading's it's beautiful up there. And, you know, you're yeah. right. You're right by Mount Shasta. But I lived in Nashville, too, for about a, about a year and a half. And Nashville's a fun city. Yeah. Matt, how's everything been in Agawam? Um, It's been great, Daryl. As you know, I've been sending you and all my old teacher friends texts and updates of me swimming with the boys or hanging out in the backyard but um it, it actually it, it's nice and cool here today so we we've got the windows open and get are you open at school start no no i was telling joe before the, the so what we do jill will start um her pd on monday and her students will arrive on wednesday i don't start pd until wednesday and our students don't return until the seventh. You just don't know what you're missing, man. Long days with, oh my God, will this day ever end? Let me ask you this question though, Daryl, because I, I don't know the end. I like, I don't know what my district, how my district is handling this. So what are you, what are you guys doing with students in the classroom, quarantining, um, close contacts kids are home are you responsible because there's no remote learning correct no there's no remote learning no so remote learning, we so. I, we had a girl get sick yesterday yeah yesterday and uh so it's all you know it's like uh, uh, i kind of missed the uh beginning meeting with, with the uh, uh Did you fall asleep no i was uh sick um uh and he had we had one foot out the door disease Yes. And so anyway, I didn't know that there was going to be a fire drill yesterday. I didn't know a lot of stuff. Um, Did you think it was a real fire? Did you grab the extinguisher, no, throw kids no. out the window? No. But, Do you um, want to die? <laughs> so I've been a, a little out of touch. But, you know, it's just like, you know, we've had three days in. We've got a five-day week this week. Yep. And then Labor Day, we got a four-day week. Are they, yeah. are they testing the kids, Daryl? Well, you're supposed to the first two weeks, you're just supposed to. Oh, you mean testing for, for I thought COVID. you were talking yeah, about yeah, academics. Yeah. Um, no, no one cares <laughs> about academics this year. It's, it's, it's can we survive the year no, without, without, killing, without a killing a bunch and of And I thought you were asking me about academics. Little <laughs> no. did I know that that's not at all on your mind. So, yes, there is some, and I, I, I don't know exactly, but they, 
um, several I've I've gotten in from parents, several signed these two page things that they I think will be part of the COVID testing regime. But what, what, is, what does that mean? Are they testing them every day or every week don't or know. every? Don't know. Wow. I think it's, I, yeah. I think I, it's going to be that group test. That's what it was the before. Pool testing. Yeah, mm-hmm. where and if nobody has it in that pool, that's a good thing. So if they. You, you know how that works, Joe, right? The pool testing, it's really much more efficient. So you test 20, 30 people. And if you have no uh, positive confirmations, then everybody's golden. If you get a positive, you have no idea who it is, but then you have to instruct all those people that they need to get tested. Huh. So I it's mean, a it's a time cons- time saver. Right, and, I, I guess, and a money saver too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm concerned... My wife and I were talking about this last night. And again, I don't know the answers to these questions, but these are what we have. Like with two little kids, I've got a kid in kindergarten, a kid in oh. in, in first grade. I'm a teacher. My wife's a teacher. Kids are now, if you are close contact, sent home, symptomatic, it, it cold, whatever, and you're sent home because there's no remote learning, you know, are they doing work? I'm going to have to be home. There's no more COVID pay for teachers who have to be home because of COVID. You're taking sick time. Yes. I run out of family sick time. What do I do with two kids? And and we've heard stories of families in in Connecticut and in other states with their kids already being sent home because close contact. But now they're home for 12 days. And so who's good? I'm going to send my close contact kid to my in-laws who are health compromised, right, you know, right, compromised. Yeah. like that's going to be me staying home with them. How can I stay home? I got to. So I almost feel like this year, because we are so under, I understand why we're trying to get back to that, you know, normal way of, of school. We're trying so hard to get there, but we're not being honest with the fact that, there's nothing going to be normal about it. At least last year we were understanding of the situation. Right. Right. And that, right. I think we're in stubborn denial that, well, well, it's, it's been a year and a half. So it's supposed it was supposed to have been better in a year and a half. So it's going to be better. And it's not, it's absolutely not. If you look at the numbers, um, I forget what state it was, but um, Georgia. Well, maybe, just fill in Texas and Florida, and you'll probably be right. Right, you but know. The, you know, or Georgia, it's also Mississippi. Yeah, they tw- Mississippi. Yeah. That's what it was. They twenty percent of the students tested positive after the first two weeks, or no, twenty percent were part of the contact. There were five percent that tested positive, but t- fully. But a fifth of the district had been in contact with those kids in two weeks, and that's this is the first two weeks of school. And Daryl, like you said, Texas, and, and it's not indoors yet. It's that's when things yeah. could get really. And, and none of these kids are you know under twelve. The kids that you you're both teaching, none of them are vaccinated, so no. it's going to spread. And you know, you guys know how hard it is to keep six year olds away from each other. Yeah, no, and that that's what I mean. I just feel like we're trying to do. My concern, and again, I don't have the answers. I don't know how at least my district is going to handle protocols and whatnot, but we're kind of like, nope, let's get back to normal. And, and, you know, there is the mask mandate, but it's like, oh, not as much social distancing. And and it's like, all right, well, then don't send my kid home because somebody in a a few chairs down is coughing. You know, I I feel like you, it's just, it's, I don't know. I'm just concerned that that kind of stuff is going to be very chaotic. My uh, my friend told me that I was I you know I'm old enough I should definitely retire I would have retired last year if it was a regular year, um, but he told me that going back this year was the stupidest thing I'd ever done and you know basically I was going to die and um, hey, you know and it was like we were joking about I, this is like way back I think before both of you guys but you used to when you went on an airplane you used to be able to take out for like a buck or 50 cents an insurance policy that you wouldn't die on the flight huh. you know <laughs> well you know at least you know they say i, I want to die doing what i love at least you'll die doing what you love yeah no i don't know daryl in all seriousness i don't i think this year is going to be very hectic and crazy for you if you were looking to get back to a normal year for your last year i don't think you're going to yeah. find it this year but 
I, you know, you are vaccinated and, and, right. and we, you know, I don't, I spend think lots from a, of time from a outside. life and death situation, I think you'll, you'll, you'll be okay yeah. there. Hopefully. No, I'm fine. But you know are what? You, are you Man, staying the whole year? Are you are, staying the whole year, Daryl? I'm planning to stay the whole year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but Matt, the thing that, you know, I, you know, I read lots of chapter books. Yeah. And like the kids are like 50 feet away. Can you yeah. see this little picture? So I can walk around with the book, but it's not, uh, it's not the same thing as when you have them all on the rug in front of you and you can see who's not paying attention. Yeah. This is no, a whole different that. thing. Yeah. So I've got to adjust, but yeah, no, I feel, I feel pretty safe about everything. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's Definitely. funny what you said, Matt, because you're the you're the anti remote learning guy. But you know, even you understand that it's going to be necessary at some point this year. And i i can't well, I can't believe your district. Well, but it's not going to be. No, they're not going to like. There's no way you can do remote learning um, because so many kids don't have computers or internet. But what, what, what did those kids do last year? So they got given computers and hotspots by the. School. And do they not have those anymore? Have that's those right. been taken back? That's right. Well, all, well, that's, well the part yeah, of the problem too we're having on a on a grand scale is all of these COVID protections kind of run out soon, like the eviction moratorium, the unemployment runs out in a couple of weeks, all these things, and there's no move to continue any of them, even though the pandemic situation's as bad as it's been since last March. So I think that's that's the part that worries me the most is that we're totally unprepared for fall and winter. And there's Let me no ask this question though. Cause I kind of, I mean, I is, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. I, I just think we're, we're still, like I said, we're still, we're, pre, we're pretending like we're moving forward, but then we're still not, you know, Agreed, and, and yes. I think you just, I think, I've always felt from the beginning, we've never really, at least I haven't been able to always find straight answers. It always. Right. Has- no, I mean, and, and you know, yes, it's, there's a lot of unknowns in this, in this COVID time, but it's very clear that education was not at the top of anyone's list on things that we want to. Um, it's, this is America. Out. It never is. It never, yeah. it never was. Yeah, right. It never was. That was, I always, which is really, really a shame, really a shame. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Uh, We'll see how this school year plays out, but I'm not up. Uh, I am. So you had a question, Matt, somewhere in there. You said no, you had a question. I, I, I just, because it, it's not, if I was, if I didn't have kids, if I was just a teacher or if I was just a parent, I feel like I, I'd have, be able to wrap my head around things. I feel more stressed and there's more uncertainty this year heading into it because I'm a parent of two young kids. I can't leave them home by themselves. Right. And I'm a teacher. My wife's a teacher. So it's it, there's just a lot of unknowns. You, there's you, a you lot did, more uncertainty. You did have a question, though. You said you had a question for us. And then you diverged. Well, yeah. I don't remember what it was. It's okay. I don't, I don't know Listen, um, I, I want to... Wait, wait, Matt, make... is Matt getting old, too? Matt, are you, you deteriorating? <laughs> you got to stop hanging out with us. Well, you know what it is. Don't you feel that everyone has deteriorated during this COVID time? Oh, God, You know, yeah, you just yeah. can't remember things and, um, you know. But, um, like, I have a question for you, Matt. I hope I haven't forgotten it. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, oh, I know what I want to say. Is I want to apologize for burying the Yankees too early. Um, you know, Me week too. after week. I was going, man, how come you guys aren't talking about the Yankees? Because they were doing terrible. But Cush Cashman, who I think is a genius, he went out and got Rizzo and uh, uh, Joey Gallo and two left-handed sluggers. Plus, he got relief pitchers, and uh, the Red Sox stupidly did nothing. And uh, it's, you know, now that the, uh, the Yankees are – in the playoffs, um, they're not going to win the Eastern Division, I don't think, but they're definitely in the playoffs where the Red Sox hey. are just just hanging on to maybe that one-game playoff the Yanks, The Yanks, I believe, are four games out. They're four games behind the Rays. I think they're a game or two ahead of the, the Red Sox yep. for that last wild-card yep. spot. Yep. You know, the only thing – the Yanks do have a, a, a 
plenty amount of games left with the Rays. Um, you know, they're going to lose again at some point, but you know, the Rays I, I, are really good. I, the Rays I, are really good. They, they are good. I, and I've got to eat a little bit myself here. I, what did I say at the trade deadline? The Yankees need to be sellers and they need to, you know, I, I did say that. It did look like they were going to be sellers, didn't it? What, what? I, I don't think that's, I don't think they're, I don't think we're ever going to see that in our lifetime. Yeah. They can't afford yeah. a rebuilding year. They can't afford to be the Minnesota twins or, right. you know, the Baltimore Orioles. So they, they do. What are they? 13, 14 straight now. They're thirty three and eleven since the since July fourth. Thirty three and eleven. Yeah, I mean, but that's... it makes it like where was this? They for whatever reason for the first half of the year they just Look, couldn't this, put it together. This, but this isn't a team, and you know the the uh, man. I think the teams that you grew up on, you know, the, those mid nineties teams, there was a consistency to that roster that we don't see in the major leagues. And I think in mm-hmm. baseball isn't football or basketball where the kind of the, the, the way that the players work together can, can make them greater than the, the sum of the parts, but you do have to kind of know your teammates and get, you know, the, the, the coaching and managerial staff has to get to know the players. And I think that's part of it. I think the shuffling and the injuries and even, you know, the injuries they had at the beginning of this year. And I think it's, it takes a little, takes a while for those things to come together, even though we're, we're, we expect it to happen instantly. Yeah, no, that that's fair. You know, but Hey, bottom line and you is, you know, what's good about the Yankees right now is they actually have a little speed that Tyler Wade guy is fast yeah. and he's, he's getting on the field. And I think they have one other player because they've been without those two players, they were an incredibly plotting team. And, you know, the thing is, I, you know, so baseball wants to put more balls in play, <laughs> you know, which would make it a more interesting game. So they're trying. So there's this Atlantic, uh, it's an independent minor league. And so they went into the experiment of moving the mound back one foot. So instead of 60 feet and six inches, it's 61 feet and six inches. And frankly, it's been uh, not good. Um, it hasn't like there's not like a super amount of injuries to the pitchers, but they all say that they're way sore after pitching, that, it's, that their that, body's not responding. You brought this up as a, as a possible solution a bunch of, a, a couple times, like a bunch of months ago. And I yeah. told you that I thought this was a, as a former pitcher, that this is the worst idea because so much. And, and it's because, you know, from the age of 14 on your arm is conditioned to throw to that distance. And so everything you've done as a pitcher up until that point as far as your mechanics and your your release is to make the ball do things in that that 18 inches above the plate and to adjust that you can't ask players all of a sudden when they're 20 or 30 years old to make that adjustment and to only do it at at a certain level at one place so if you're going to do it you have to do it from you know, little league on, you know, whenever that the mound goes from 45 to 60, you have to do it from that age on. And if you're going to ask a high school kid to throw from that distance, forget it. You're just going to be a walk fest. So I think you'd almost have to train a different generation of pitchers. Yeah. Like start. And for what purpose, you know, like, right. so the question is, can baseball ever be interesting to people under 30? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I think, I think the, the simpler way to do that is just to lower the mound. That's what they did in the, I think in the twenties when they're having the, you know, right after the quote dead ball era. So I think that it, it gives you the same, the same effect as, as reducing the pitcher's advantage, but it would be much easier to adjust as a pitcher to it to simply it would just be like a delivery angle thing as opposed to changing everything about the way you release the pitch to to make it behave differently further down the road you know further further away from your hands so i think i think it would be an easier adjustment for the pitchers to be less dangerous less strenuous on their arms and i think it would it would get you the same result i think you know i think for baseball's popularity to grow back with today's lifestyle, I think you have, I don't think you can, 
think about it as I have to change major league baseball. I think it all starts with kids at young ages. I don't have the answers, but I, you, you need to find a way to make. Well, are you saying that more kids need to play? I think that's... more kids need to play. And I think, believe it or not, there has to be more access to minor league games. Take the kids to and just to watch baseball. Um, you know, it, I, I took my kids this summer to see the Yard Goats in Hartford. They loved it. You know, it wasn't a super expensive night out, but it, it wasn't, you know, cheap. Well, that's the thing. It more accessible. You know, my, my dad took us to Yankee Stadium in the 70s, and it, you know, it probably cost him 40 bucks. And that included the the bridge toll and the parking and hot dogs and all that. Now forty bucks doesn't get you an upper deck ticket. And, you and take the whole family; exactly it's five hundred. I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree, Joe. I mean, for me, I'm not taking again because the the the, the lifestyle of today's kids. It's got to be you know what's next, moving on. The attention span, I you know, you're going to spend five hundred dollars to take your family to go see a major league baseball game. And they're going to want to leave by the fifth inning if they're not truly invested in it. Whereas Dad, zero think, to zero, nothing's happened. Nothing's what happening. What about that brilliant catch at center field by the guy, you know, robbed the home run. What about the uh, diving stop by the third baseman? You yeah, know? but you're not even seeing that either because again, the ball is not put in play. It's a strikeout or a home run, right. which is, right. you know, but so I think if you get kids more involved in the playing at a young age, you find we got, you got to find ways to get more kids involved at the youth level and, and more kids. African-American kids involved in baseball. Okay. So, so it's great to say you need to do that, but how, like what, right. what, what there's, there's so many more things available to kids at that age. And there were like, when I was eight, there wasn't anything else to do. Like you could play baseball, or you could play soccer. Or you could play both, and I did. We had a baseball field near us, and as long as you could get five kids and everybody had to hit the ball to left field, you'd have a pitcher, a hitter, and three fielders, and and we played for a long time. Well, but that, like, right, the, the days of sandlot baseball are over. Yeah. Right? Neighborhoods aren't – kids aren't getting together playing sandlot ball. And, you know – to get them involved in youth sports, I don't know how to do that. I think – I think, though, increasing the accessibility to minor league games, they're fun. You get engagement with the players. I think that's, you know, that that's well, that's, that's what it does, too. It'll, it'll also give them attachment to players who are going to be in the majors later, later on. And that's always really right. cool. So, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I saw that guy when he was in double A or single A. But mm-hmm. I don't think I mean, again, you guys are you're 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 asking a question, but there's no I don't no one's no one's putting forth any useful solutions. Right. I don't well, think, I mean, and I I don't think, think baseball, Matt, I don't think baseball, it, you know, it, certainly Matt, you talk about Sandlot baseball being dead. It's because everyone's playing basketball because you know what? Basketball's more fun. It's more exciting. It's better exercise. A basket and one ball and one person, you know, or two right. at the, you know, you need two to have a competition, but you really only need one person to go have fun playing basketball. So I, I don't, I don't, the question to me is, is baseball worth saving or is it just another, you know, it, can we just let it, let it fade out to whatever it's going to be. Let it be a sport for whatever subset of kids. My nephew, you guys, we've had him on the show. He's with, oh, he's my sister's going to kill me. He's 15 or 16. I think he's, I think he's 16. He's got his driving permit. So he's 16. Um, but he loves baseball and he grew up in a baseball household. My sister and brother-in-law are both huge baseball fans, but I think there there's always going to be kids that are going to be into it. So I think you just let, let it, let it fade down to whatever it's going to be. I, I don't know. I, you know, we, we talk Which about it's say- not going to be in the top three because you're definitely going to have uh basketball, football, and probably soccer would be the top three mm-hmm. sports. Well, maybe what, what about this? Like what, and this is totally gimmicky. But you know how, like, the NFL has invested in flag football now, right? Where it's not 11 on 11, it's not contact. But now, like, I know I, I used to coach in Belchertown. Every, it's the NFL flag football. It's better league. than peewee football, yeah. And that gives kids an opportunity to, to get excited about the game of football in a different way. 
you know, is can baseball do something like that? Can there be home run derby leagues? Can there be um, I'm trying like, you know, I used to play pickle all the time in my backyard. God, you know, wasn't that fun? Be, or or no. even how about wiffle ball leagues? Can major league baseball invest in creating and, and making it more accessible wiffle ball leagues that are fast paced, that are more fun, that isn't pure baseball, but it might spark that excitement. I think it's an interesting idea. I don't think it's up to major league baseball though, because we already have hundreds, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of little leagues. You know, we have youth baseball organizations with which, which are have a huge infrastructure and are everywhere. So I think it's not we don't don't need Major League Baseball to do it. We just need it could be a ground up thing. But well, I don't think you need Major League Baseball. But if it helps Major League Baseball, they should want to do it. I mean, that's what I mean. I think the NFL saw an issue with younger kids not playing Pee Wee football. I'm not sending my, I'm not saying this for me, but you have people saying, I'm not sending my seven-year-old putting on a helmet and having him go play contact tackle football. Yeah, which, is, which, is, said, which, which is the only intelligent reaction. Like if, if you're a parent, you think your seven-year-old kid should be playing contact football, you're an idiot. Sorry. Apologies <laughs> to all the parents whose kids play youth football, but you're morons. So, so NFL saw that as an issue. If, if you're not getting kids, hey, you, you have a short window to spark that to passion start, and love. We gotta we gotta get her to get their brains damaged early. No, but so the NFL said, let's play, let's invest in flag football. It is an NFL flag foot, it is sponsored, it is NFL flag football yeah, league yeah. for youth. And now you are able to get five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds playing flag football. And so again, it's not pure tackle football, but it might spark that interest of football. So then as they get old, you know, so you don't need major league baseball to do these things, but maybe it's in their best interest to find a way to, to get those younger kids and and pull them in when you can. Well, my, my cynicism is, is maybe too strong because it's telling me that anything that the league starts is going to be nefariously purposed or going to be, be poorly administered or going to be damaging in some way. And I, and I feel the same way about the NFL as I do about MLB. Is, and, this, you know, is I, this the conspiracy part of the show? I guess so. <laughs> we need an ominous, uh, an yeah, ominous sound, sound like. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Um, so the, the uh, NIL, you want to get into that? Oh, well, yeah. So is, sure. it, is it actually happening? Like, is anybody? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, it's yeah. The, the, the we saw Good. Saban say his quarterbacks made made close to a million dollars so far, and I what's encouraging to me is I'm seeing a lot of like uh, a lot of businesses who are sponsoring entire teams, or you know there was um, uh, again I think it was a BYU. Which is, you mean that they're but they weren't doing it before they were, or they're doing it in a different way. No, they're they're actually be paying the players now. So there's um, uh, some some schools, a couple schools where the entire football team gets five hundred dollars to you know endorse this um, a hardware store, like just yep. little businesses like that. And I think it's BYU. There was a booster who paid the tuition for all the every walk on, every non scholarship player on that team is now essentially a scholarship player, which I think you know that's where if you want to look for a recruiting advantage. That's where you can get it. And then it also sort of works like a salary cap too, though, because if too many players have committed to a program, then you're going to start, you're going to get a lower quality recruit beyond that because people are just, well, you already got four quarterbacks. Why do I need to come there? But I think, like I said, the the democracy of it it has been encouraging to me. So has the ceiling, you know, the, the, the money that the, the top players are able to make and, I remember um, he, he, sort yes. of related is, um, is is in the start of the football season this year is the number of transfers. It's unbelievable how many top you know good players have transferred to another team because any, they basically were all given an extra year of eligibility. Any of them coming to UMass? No. UMass, yes, well, they've got UMass has twelve players 
that have some sort of power 12, power five, whatever, the, the big have come from big programs. They didn't necessarily play much there, but they were good enough to be selected by um, the, the power five schools. You, you know what? That's been reflected in the preseason polling. I saw in the, the CBS bottom five, they're only third. Usually they're first. So they're only, they're only the third worst right. team in the country. Right. I'm still, I'm still thinking they're going to get beat by 50 by Pitt their first game. You're but, being that kind. I think they had. I think UMass had one touchdown last year. So, yeah. well, Walt Bell, me... their coach, says that they're they're really um, okay. So tight ends. Um, um, they had. One t- the leading tight end receiver last year had three catches for 46 yards. Um, yeah, so what was it like one game, two games? <laughs> no, they played a they lost all their games like six, seven games, however many they played. I, don't think yeah. they, I think they played like four, didn't they? I don't think they played at very least, many at games. least. Yeah. It, they scored one touchdown. I think they played more than four, but um, anyway, but this year they're back. And so is college football, and it will be interesting. It will well, be interesting. Well, let me – I, I do I'm, – going back to the NIL, the name, image, and likeness. Yep. I, in, the, in the big picture, I do think it's a good thing. And I do think putting money in the kids' hands because they can make it rather than going to the universities and the NCAA, it is a good thing. But I do think we have to – pump the brakes a little bit and we don't know the ramifications or, or even consequences of what this means. Right. And so like Joe, that article you sent the Miami hurricanes booster is giving every scholarship player who endorses their business $500 a month. Um, Sure. Great. Like, like I said, it's, it's better than it going to the NCAA and the, and the kids, are the ones doing it, but there, I, I do think ha- it will change the landscape of college sports to, you know, you have a college kid now who's making, Hey, I have an opportunity to make $20,000. I got to do this autograph signing. And, uh, but I got, you know, seven o'clock study meeting in the morning. And, you know, and, and as a college kid, if I know I have an opportunity to make $20,000 and maybe I show up late to this meeting, like, you know, I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot unknown. I think a lot is going to change. I'm not, always, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but I think coaches now will have a harder time managing some of these players um, I don't know. I, I think it's a good thing. So, and I don't think, I, I don't uh, think Lou, Lou Saban is going to have any problem, you know, getting <laughs> well, players. Yeah. Well, cause Lou Saban has been dead for about 20 years. I think it's Nick, 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 Nick talking about Nick but, Saban. Yeah. But, but I, I, I mean, I think, I don't know. You might be, um, you might be chicken littling this one a little bit. I think part there, you're right. It, it's going to be a little, a little bit haphazard the first year, obviously. I think part of the problem immediately is that, there's no blanket NCA policy or federal law. So there's every state's got their own different policy. Schools can set their own policy. So, so there's hundreds of different arrangements, right? And different structures and different ways of doing things right now. And I think that'll narrow down to, you know, conference policy or state policy or, or federal policy soon. I think by next year, this time, it'll be different. But I, I mean, I agree. It's going to completely change the landscape of college sports. That's what it's supposed to do. I think it could be a case of the rich get richer. But I think it also it, it's this is like, and I hate this expression in any other context, but the rising tide lifts all boats. And I think you're going to see. And we already are seeing players at every level in every sport getting endorsements and like. Um, Women's volleyball has the third had the third most is men's men's or football, men's basketball and women's volleyball actually had more NIL endorsements than women's basketball at this point. I think part of that is because the 
winter season hasn't started yet. Volleyball is actually, you know, starting in the fall. So I think that's part of it, but I, you know, that's really encouraging to me. First of all, if you're not a fan of women's college volleyball, Texas had a really good team when I was there. I went to an NCAA final four and it, watch volleyball is, is super exciting. Very exciting. Very and if exciting. we're, if I mean, I, not to jump off of this, but um, I've also discovered a new, my new favorite sport, which is wheelchair rugby. We can talk about that in a minute, but I think, I think, man, I think you are, I, you know, I, I understand the, you know, the, the wariness, but it, it's, it, I agree with Daryl that it's better than what we had before. And even though it's going to be a little messy, let's let it, Let's let it be messy and that'll help us figure things out more quickly. I'd rather have it, like you said, be messy in favor of the players than being messy in favor of the institutions. Yeah, I, I agree to that. Um, it, 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 I just think it, it will be interesting to see how it all plays out and um, how it, it clearly there it won't be a balance of power where, like I said, Miami, I'm going to, Hey, I'll give you 500 bucks a week to endorse this business. And, you know, does that, I, I don't know. I, I don't, does that mean they can't endorse any other business? Is there a cap as to how many endorsements each individual can, can sign on to? Um, does do, are there, Hey, for every endorsement, you give a scholarship football player, you have to give one to a scholarship um, women's softball. Do you have to give to swimming? Yeah, Title Nine will still apply. Can you? Well, no, I don't think. You, I, don't, I, I don't think. I don't I, think it's. I don't think it is in this oh, in this I respect. Hear what you're okay, you're right. You're right. And you're and right. I don't. I again, I don't know that any of that's really necessary. I think let's let's certainly not for this year. Let's see how it all plays out. Let's go through one cycle with each season and see what things look like. Then we have next summer to come up with a to come up with these judgments. But I think for anybody to to say we know what it's going to I mean, there, you're right. There are there are opportunities for shady behavior. Right. But I think the the one sort of overarching rule that is in place is that it can't be based on performance or even you being on the field. So once you sign these deals, it can't be uh, dependent on you actually, you know, if you don't suit up on Saturday, you don't get paid. Or if you, you know, there's no, you can't provide performance-based incentives for every touchdown you score. I'm going to give you an extra $500. So I think it takes some of that out of it. And again, the, the, the myth is that, this wasn't happening already. That's right. right. You know, right. Alabama football players were getting paid. It was just happening in in a much more shady manner right. than it is. So what happened summer. at, you know, I was at University of Florida um, for a long time. My two sons were both born in Gainesville. And so what they used to do was so that the players were all given like a set of, I think, four season tickets, you know, and then there the alumni or the boosters would have an auction in which, you know, you'd start off with the reserve lineman and he'd get, you know, 500 bucks for his ticket. But by the time you got up to Nat Moore or one of the uh, stars, they got an incredible amount of money for their tickets. And, wow. You know, I've never heard that before, but that is perfect on both ends, right? Because and it's it, what happened. So all like it's what you guys are saying. You're absolutely right. I mean, no matter what happens, it's better that this stuff is happening in public, and right. that, and that the mm -hmm. players are getting something, and and it's being reported because this has been going on under the um, in the in the back rooms for a long right. time. Well, and Matt, you've talked about about college athletes getting a practical education. I think this accelerates that too. This will, this is, this is getting them into business, getting them negotiating their own endorsement deals way younger than they usually get to. So I think this, this sort of helps in that I'm, you know, me, I'm all for practical education. So. No, I, I actually had that same thought too. I think this, this makes an argument for teaching college kids finance and, and that sort of stuff. Now, I mean, if you're going to give a kid, if you gave me a check, I don't know why you would have, but if you had <laughs> given me a check for $20,000 when I was in college 
hey, I'm buying a lot of kegs, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think this is an opportunity to show a purpose and meaning for teaching these scholarship kids, kids trending towards professional type careers, how to invest, how to make their money, help them in the future. Um, as I still don't even know how to do that. I'm still struggling to get my money to help me out. Um, you know, but, uh, Dogecoin, Matt, Dogecoin, yeah, yeah. I'm telling uh, you. So I don't know. It, I, it, the big picture, I do think it's a positive. Like I said, I think it's better to give kids the money that they deserve instead of giving it to the NCAA. Um, but I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic to see how it all, all right. unfolds. And, all and right. So let me ask you another question, which I know you guys will have zero interest because it centers around the Patriots, but should Cam Newton start or should Mac yes. Jones start? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the who cares, who cares train. It doesn't really matter because because Mac Jones is going to be the – by game eight, Mac Jones is going to be the quarterback anyway. I think – So not, what's been happening, Joe, is that Newton had to sit out. Yeah, Cam Mac Jones needs to get his damn shots. Field, That's what he needs to do. Yeah. And he's – he Cam, um, Cam Newton is not vaccinated, the idiot. Yeah. And um, so he's gonna he's gonna lose a lot of the season, I think. And uh, Mac Jones appears to be the real thing. He's done very very well. I yeah. don't. I I think that I think Cam Newton is going to be the starter. I think, and that's yeah. I, I think, think so. That's Bill Belichick, right? Un, un, unless Cam Newton, and there's a good possibility he'll lose practice time and game time because of COVID um, policy. Uh, unless that happens, I just, if you think of Bill Belichick, like he doesn't like rookies to play anyway, No, no. because the rookie's going to be up. He's going to be down. Look at what Matt Jones on, was it Tuesday or Wednesday dominated the giants, dominated the giants. The next day didn't look that good. You know, that's the first three, um, passes against the giants. The second day were almost three interceptions. So then he got a little better, but Bill Belichick's thing is I need you have a job to do and I need to expect that you do your job whatever however that is defined like wherever I need you to play I need the trust that you can play there at that level and at least even if Cam Newton's ceiling might not be as high as Mac Jones's ceiling if the floor is more consistent I think that is what Bill Belichick wants he wants to know this is what I'm going to get production wise out of you Keep it there. A rookie's too up and down. So I just I don't think it's much of a debate. I think Bill Belichick's going to go with Cam Newton unless Cam Newton physically, policy wise, can't be there. Cam Newton is going to play. You know, it's funny. I feel like if Belichick heard you say that, he would start Mac Jones out of spite. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that you can't say. What I don't think I don't know if we any of us can can. That guy's always supposed to be a couple steps ahead, right? So if that's the case, then maybe he's evolving on that. I mean, the game has changed a lot. We've talked about yeah. that quite a few times, that yeah. the expectation for rookie quarterbacks is a lot more than it used to be. So um, so also, now, there's nothing I can say good about the Jets. But So let me move on to the Giants. Well, um, we, can, we can say this. If they're, if they're going to fail this year, it might have more to do with injuries than anything else. They've lost two defensive okay. starters yeah. for the season already. So, right. yeah, we can, we, can, we can skip, but we can but, gloss over but that. Let's, that's fine. But let's go to the Giants. The Giants actually... Actually, are having an, an all right uh, camp. Oh God, let's let's let's, let's, uh, let's yeah, uh, yeah yeah no let, no no. I they don't are. think so at all. I mean, no 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 no. They've they've done all right. But the truth is, Daryl's been reading so the big, Giants. Daryl's been reading BigBlue.com. I think <laughs> the Giants could have a really good season if, and this is your if from the day they drafted him, if uh, Daniel Jones can really become a good, reliable quarterback. Yeah, I could be a millionaire if only I had a million dollars. I mean, that's yeah, just, that, that, that's that's like that's like saying, you know, the 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 Blazers could be good if I if I sign to play power forward this year. It's just not this is not this is not not going to happen. He's not that good. I don't think he's that good. And I don't the team, the the offense, the offensive line is still going to be really, really bad. And so even if Daniel Jones does cut back on the turnovers, which really that's his thing. I mean, the dude fumbles the ball, he throws interceptions, he turns the ball over way too, too much. 
their offensive line is still pretty bad. Um, they're, 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 they're banged up. Kenny Galladay hasn't practiced at all. Um, Saquon Barkley's just coming back. He's going to be eased into it. Uh, their defensive secondary, which luckily they do have depth, but Adoree Jackson just got hurt. So that, you know, I just, as a fan, I want to say, sure, you know, Daryl, yeah. If Daniel Jones plays really, really well, sure. But, uh, you know, I just don't know. So I think you're seeing a um, 500 season? They'll win five games. No, I think they'll be better than that. I mean, I, I mean, think they'll be. What were they last year? Six and uh, nine, seven and nine, nine? I think, yeah. Right? I, I don't think they're worse than last year. I, so I, this year they're playing 17 games. I was going to ask if you had snuck in to the studio and put some blue Kool-Aid in Daryl's coffee this morning, but it sounds like you're drinking plenty of it yourself. I'd be, I'd be you stunned. Think they're worse than last year. I don't think, I don't, I don't see anything they did to improve. I don't think, I don't think just, I think the, where you and I differ on the giants is you think judge is a good coach. And I, I don't, I, I'm not, I haven't bought into the Joe judge. I think he's a good yet. coach. I, I don't yeah. think he's in a, a, he's had a few hiccups, but I think he's a real good coach. Well, and I think the players respond to him. Well, we'll see. One of us was right about the Yankees midseason. One of us will be right about the Giants, and it won't be either of you. So, well, what <laughs> what makes you think Joe Judge it is a bad? What? Why is he a bad coach? Uh, I don't think he's a bad coach. I don't think he's any sort of I. I, I don't think he's the inspirational leader that he's been made out to be. I haven't seen any results on the field. I think he's, uh, I, yeah, I, well, we can we can have a Joe Judge debate next well, let's, week. Let's keep it going no, because I right. think the players have united behind him, but that's just me. Um, but, that, only, uh, that only works for a very short time in the NFL. I, I agree. No, I I, I th- let me say the last thing on them. I, I agree, Joe, that only happens for a very short while. I think it's pivotal that they get off to a, a good start. Last year, they started, what, 0-6 or whatever it was, and then they won a lot of games late. I think getting off to an 0-6 start this year, Oh, done. if they're 1-4, if they're he'll get fired. And I, right- no, I don't think he'll get fired, but I, I don't think he's getting fired this year. Um, but if, it's, if they start 1-4, you know, 2-6 – I think the wheels come off fast, but you know, I, Hey, what were they with Pat Shermer four and 12, two years in a row. So I, they made improvements. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. I think the Patriots will have a much better season than last year. And anyway, guys, wheel, wheelchair rugby. Have you, have you guys okay, watched, no, let's hear about it. Have you guys watched any of the Paralympic games? No. I've watched more of more of the Paralympic games than I have than I did the regular Olympics. It, it is so much more interesting. The sports are so cool. And this, like I said, the, my new favorite thing is wheelchair rugby. And huh. it is maybe the roughest sport I've ever seen. Hmm. And Wait a minute. So is it rough because people are hitting each other with sticks or are they wheelchairs colliding no they're ramming each other with their wheelchairs and it, so it's played on a court the goal it's it's maybe it's narrower than a basketball court but almost as long there's four players on a team and it's interesting they have this this point system based on the amount of mobility you have from your shoulders to your fingertips so if someone has a missing hand they get two points and mm-hmm. if you're completely, you know, if you have like, I think no hands, you get zero points or one point. So the more the more severely disabled you are, the the lower your point total is. And so each team can only have a total of eight points on the court at once. So you sort of balance out different levels of disability. And it is fast. It's high scoring. So the goal is almost the width maybe like two thirds, the width of the court. So on each end line, you've got a goal and a little crease area and you score just by wheeling yourself with the ball across in that goal area, across the end line. And so there's, you know, there's a a goal scored every 20, 30, 40 seconds usually. And it is, like I said, it is rough. And as soon as a goal is scored, they, they sort of reset for the inbounds pass and it's as like I said, literally, as soon as the goal is scored, they go to form up and it always involves 
three pairs of wheelchair athletes running, you're running into each other, trying to get position. It is, it, I watch it. It is incredible. Okay. And there's, there's, they, they get flipped over. There are, and there, the U S has a fantastic team with this guy, Chuck Aoki, who was one of the, the flag bearers and the opening ceremonies, just like, and again, a- anything that has to do with the Paralympic games has this attached story that will just, I, I, I'm, I have a heart. Is this, are the Paralympics even, taking place in Japan also? Yeah. In Tokyo, they do it every, every year following the actual Olympics. They'll do right. it the same. And in the same facilities, it's, you know, and when again, is the next Olympics going to be uh, next did, year? Did you say where, when, is it yeah, next year? Winter games. The winter are, games are next next winter. Yeah, uh, winter games twenty twenty two Beijing. Really? Yeah. Now that could be, um, you know, politically China is uh, not doing a great job internationally, and so there may be some issues come up with the didn't just, Olympics. Didn't Beijing just have an Olympics? Uh, I think not too long. Yeah. Hold on. yeah. Hang on. Let's see. Let's do some more Googling. Uh, um, Beijing Olympics. 2000, 2008. Yeah. Wow. But wow. that was summer. But you know what? The truth 2000, is. 2008 yeah. was summer games. Yeah. Right. And nobody wants to do the Olympics anymore. They're a, they're a, a money loser. It's like they should just set it up in Athens. Year round, that's where it's going to be. That's where it started. That's what makes the most sense. These, like what happened in Brazil or, yeah, it was Brazil, wasn't yeah. it? Like a couple Olympics ago, they built all these yeah. big stadiums. These stadiums sit empty. Sochi, your Russia has the same same problem. The, I, and what I heard, I heard this probably a while ago, 15, 20 years ago. The suggestion was use Athens for the summer games and use Salt Lake City for the winter games. Yeah. Because Salt yeah. Lake City has a velodrome. It's got all the ski facilities. It has everything. They had a winter. It also winter. has it's, plenty of hotel rooms and right. plenty of places to fly in. And it's, for it's, international. A, it's, a, it's a clean, safe place. It's got... Plenty of empty space around it where if you needed to build more hotel facilities or have temporary stuff, there's there's room to expand in Salt Lake City. I, I, I think that's a fantastic idea, I think, for what you'd lose. But the, again, the reason that's not going to happen is because the IOC makes those members of that so committee make millions of dollars in bribes every four years. To, to determine the next site. So again, it's, it's, it, we can dream, but that's all it's going to be is a dream. Yeah. Yeah. So watch right, so rugby, everybody. We've got, that's a great, that's a great reference. So we've got a couple minutes left. Um, is there anything else we should mention? Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to, I, I, I need to rant and scream a little bit about the, um, the anti-vax and the stubborn, stubborn vaccinated people. All right. For those of you who've been waiting till the FDA approved the vaccines that happened. So go get your damn shots. And the, the whole, I just, I keep hearing these things about freedom and it's a choice. Well, you don't, you don't have the choice to do things that are damaging to, to the people around you. And there's this just become this selfishness that, a third of the country is is completely unashamed about expressing and it 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 goes to, it reaches everything from their stance on public health care to you know to uh public assistance this this is idea that I'm not going to help anybody else. I'm not going to do anything with the feelings of anyone else in mind. It's become a thing in this country and it's getting worse and worse. And that we're just, we're, we're being shown more, more avenues that it can sort of find its way into the public conversation. Uh, you know, the, the latest that Eric Clapton now came out with a song with an anti vaccine vaccination song. No. And, you know, Eric Clapton is a, you know, racist domestic abusing the guy who stole his best friend's wife. So I'm not really putting any credence into anything Eric Clapton says, but some people do. So the, the, these um, prominent people who come coming out with these things is just making it worse. People get your shots or we're never going to be out of this. We're going to be doing this for 10 more years. 
That's my that's my crabby rant of the day. Sorry. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. And the thing is, what I'm hoping for is that there's more and more of if you're vaccinated, you can go to Broadway. If you're not vaccinated, you can't go to Broadway. You know, where there's rewards for vaccinated people and consequences for unvaccinated. Uh, I'm not on. I, I, I don't feel the same. And I kind of feel like, I mean, I, Joe, I get what you're saying. Um, I, I guess, and I, I don't, I think that it's here. I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't think even if, even if everybody's back, like, I, I wait a minute, wait a minute. This, What's here? The, the COVID the virus. I, I think this is, yeah, no, no, no. If we were, if the country was two thirds vaccinated, it would be a whole different story. We wouldn't see what we're seeing right now. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, it, I don't know why it's not 98% at this point. Yeah. People haven't, I, I, haven't, I haven't see seen enough in the last year and a half. I see this as something that's going to be, it's it's going to be a virus like the flu. And yeah, we don't die from the flu that much. Yeah. And it because doesn't, we're back because we get vaccinated from it and because it's been around for years, whereas our bodies know how to. Right. But are it. we getting vaccinated for COVID? So no. here, here's how I think if I'm vaccinated and I'm safe, if I'm but not vaccinated, not. then I might die. But but you're not. I mean, we're, none of us are safe until until we get past that threshold, and we could get rid of it. And, and the reason, like, I I understand what you're saying, but why do we why are we doing this? And we're gonna make it stick around for twenty or thirty years when we could get rid of it now. We get rid of it now. If everyone got vaccinated, it would be gone. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. If you're vaccinated, I, I I I get what you're saying, and and like I said, I'm not anti-vax. I, I, and that's it's you're not anti. I don't know. You can still get it <laughs> well, if you're vaccinated. Right. You still get it if you're vaccinated. You can still pass it along to people if you're vaccinated. Well, hey Matt, it took us the full hour to finally disagree on something. So right. step step <laughs> steps yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Well, we could we could have done maybe done the whole hour on that then because. Uh, no, I, I get it. It's hard because I, I do understand what you're saying. And I, I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I personally, I don't know why you would choose not to get vaccinated. I was on the fence at the beginning, but if you, I don't know, but I also think, you know, I don't like, it's a slippery slope where, and I don't like if it, you, you can live your life if you're vaccinated and if you're not vaccinated, you can't live your life. I don't like that. And I don't like, no, no, no I don't no, like no, going, no, no. If you, yeah, go you, to can't go, you can't go to school if you don't have measles, mumps. Right. Right. You think that's all. Nobody is fighting. Here, that, you're just saying that. you can't go to Broadway if you're not vaccinated. Right. Because there should be some incentive to get people to get vaccinated. But I don't have because to show, what Joe is saying is, is the truth. You have to get vaccinated. This whole argument, it's just like the stupid mask thing. Masks are not political. They're not red and blue. Masks are a public health situation. When you've got a disease like we have, we need to stay masked. We need to vaccinate. We need to keep distance. And this thing will become like flu, which is serious, but not serious like 600,000 people die. When it comes to the numbers... Of, of that and and yes last year covid killed a lot more people than the flu we weren't protected from coronavirus we weren't protected from covid we are protected from the flu we our body does know how to fight the flu and we do still die from the flu so that's not 600,000 people we weren't protected from covid though there was zero protection from COVID last but year. But now we have protection. And if so let's see people what people would do. I, it. I'm pretty sure <laughs> the number of vaccinated, the, the number of deaths are not vaccinated people. I love, I love the attitude though. Well, screw, we'll just see how many people die this year. Right. But that's, but right, Matt, what you just said most of the people dying are unvaccinated. Right. So and that does seem to actually be scaring some of these people into getting vaccinated. Like right. a lot of these super hesitant people are 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 now getting their shots. But I again, I I don't think that's the best. <laughs> that doesn't seem to me to be the best strategy. Well, people don't want to get get vaccinated. Just let well, them well, die. 
but they're still the problem is they're still spreading it to vaccinated people to vulnerable people to children who are unable who aren't able to be vaccinated that's the biggest problem i see you know in texas like 40 percent of the hospitalizations are children under 12 right now i mean that's it's absurd so i think that's that's the the our our biggest concern now should be for protecting the the children who probably you know your your kids are i i can't imagine when this is going to be approved for a six-year-old I mean, you're, you're looking at months at least, right? I, I don't know. And, and I get all that. Like I said, I, I get that point of it. I just, I, I, I am not one to say, like I said, uh, you know, show papers if you want to walk into my restaurant that you're, you know. I, yeah, we, we it, know you're, um, you're, you're the libertarian in this group, which doesn't make you an actual libertarian. It just just puts you that on that side of Daryl and me, which is everybody, but. I, I, I understand. I understand. You're saying I, I, I've done what I've needed to do to protect myself. And I kind of just feel like pre COVID world during the flu season, the flu is a real thing that could make people who are vaccinated, very, very sick. You probably won't die, but the flu also did kill you. And I never once thought twice about going out in public during the flu season because I would be vaccinated. And I knew my, my body had an immune system that worked. Well, but the flu also- and not wasn't... everybody has that, but I kind of feel like that's where COVID is going to go. And once we have, we have a level of protection now where people are vaccinated, I do think the mortality rate is uh, clearly not as many people will die from COVID right. this year. Wait, 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 you, the, no, the, Matt, do you, the, do you, there's do you a look at the one sec, one, one sec, sec Daryl. The Go fundamental ahead, difference, Matt, between the flu and COVID is that the flu doesn't have these long-term effects that COVID right. does. The flu right. does not cause long-term heart damage, does not cause right. all these other things that we're seeing in, in COVID patients months, you know, or even a you know, year or two after the fact. So I think that's the big difference. And that's why, that's why we have to treat it like a critical problem until it's gone. And I don't, again, you're, 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 you're kick the can strategy. I, I agree. There are going to be far fewer deaths now that people are vaccinated, but there's still going to be more than there should be because people aren't getting vaccinated. That's, that's my feeling. You look, Matt, if you look in the New York times, Washington post at the, daily statistics they're back up we're doing 140,000 cases a day at the worst we were doing 200,000 this is nuts if we were vaccinated we wouldn't be that even with the delta it's more serious yes but it would not be rising like it is it's it's disastrous that says that let them die and no, I, but, but, I'm oh, almost no, but, I'm almost with you on the screw the unvaccinated. Like I don't have any sympathy for anyone at this point. If you've not gotten your vaccination, you're you're doing damage to people around you. But I'm also not going to, you know, just say, well, well, forget forget those people. Let them let them die off as, yeah, as, I, as much as I, mean, I would I, like to. I, I just I, I I worry it's a slippery slippery slope, and uh, I don't want to be rolling down it. Well, but. and as far as the the public, you know, access to public events, you can still go see Blake Shelton if you're unvaccinated, as long as you can provide a negative test. So I think there, this whole thing about how they're being discriminated against or locked out of things, no, you just have to go through a little extra step to to show that you're not going to be a danger to the people around you. I think you know we make people go through metal detectors going into into concerts now into clubs no one complains about that and like daryl brought up we you have to get vaccinated i had to go get a, a whole round of shots when i went back to school or when i went back to umass because all my vaccinations my childhood ones had expired where i, I didn't think twice about it it's like sure i need an mmr sure but i think again like the the, and I don't want to, I'm not lumping you in the group with people. So COVID is just the flu, but I understand the similarities that you're pointing out. But the, the big difference is that COVID has these long-term consequences where the flu, once you're over it, you're better in two weeks. And I think also the flu might kill people, but it kills people in proportions far lower than COVID had been and probably far lower even than COVID will 
this winter. No, and that's all fair. And and I we we have to see because like I said, last year the numbers were huge and, and the mortality rate was higher, but there was zero protection from it, not to mention dying with COVID was part of dying was part of that mortality rate. Well, I think we know how to treat it better. And I was and, talking and to learned. And so, you know, as as sad and as unfortunate the numbers were, um, it, it's hard to project what those numbers are going to be moving forward. It, we didn't know how to treat it. It was brand new. Our bodies had no idea what to do. There was no see, protection from it. We can see what they are now, and they're terrible. Like Daryl said, they're as bad as they've been ever in the last year and a half. And so I, I think not, we're not mortality rate. No, but the number of cases and, and the number mortality of, rate is way up. No, no, no. The mortality rate, the, the, the percentage of deaths is going down, but it's only going down because of the, because the people are vaccinated. Yes. And that's, and so I'm, I'm with you. I, I, like I said, I personally, I don't see the reason why you, Get, get vaccinated. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you with that message. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't want to, but I also, you know, I'm not on that same line of, you know, if you want to be served at my restaurant, show paper, show me your vaccination card. If you want to attend this, do, I, I'm just not there, but um, so I'm with you, you on so would you feel, are you, so you're not going to any basketball games this year? Would you take your kids to a public event with 40,000 people? We've, um, I, we've been out, we've been going to things. Um, like I said, I'm, I, I did what I needed to do to protect myself. Um, you know, what, what, if my kids go, if they're not vaccinated, will they be wearing masks? Yes. Um, when we go into stores now, do my kids wear masks? Yes. See, I'm, so I'm seeing just, all these. I'm seeing all these like music festivals and concerts and things happening, and you know, soccer matches around the world with, with full full stands. I don't think I'm quite ready for that yet. I I would have liked to be thinking, you know, knowing that I'm vaccinated, but I don't. I don't think I'm ready for that yet. And it's, it's, it's not so much, it's not so much, and it's not even so much for me personally, but looking at that crowd of people, you know, they're not all vaccinated. If, if they're holding true to, to American numbers, three quarters of them are, which means a quarter of them aren't, which is a lot of people in a crowd that size. So I think I'm, I'm being as careful now. I feel like since I got back from my trip, I'm being as careful now as I was right after I had it last year. In other words, at, at the peak of my paranoia, I'm still behaving about the same way. Um, that said, I had to remember to put the mask back in my Jeep this week because I hadn't been riding around with it. And there were plenty of you know instances where I was out and I said, so, geez, I really should have a mask right now. So I, I've had to sort of force myself back into that habit. But I, yeah, I, I'm not... I, I, I'm, I'm less resigned to just letting this take its course than you are, but maybe that's because I'm less optimistic about what that course is going to look like. Yeah, no, that's fair. I gotta go. I gotta get the boys ready for the day. All right, thank All right. you, gentlemen. Hey, Daryl, uh, have a good uh, week two of school. Oh, yeah, at luck, least man. it won't be 95 degrees next week. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and uh, you too, man. Enjoy your your. And my last few days. Oh, 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 oh,